and welcome to Didian Hawthorne and the In-Between, your place for everything reading and language related. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gentz. Now bookmark that book and let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Hello and herzlich willkommen zu unserem Podcast. Today, today is our very last book box in our hashtag book unboxing series, and this one is long overdue in part because it was the first book box I ordered all the way back in August of 2020, and that book box is called the Boxwalla book box. I go way back with Boxwalla because, little known fact about me, I am a huge film nerd and was in film club and took film classes all throughout high school, so I've been a longtime lover of the Boxwalla film box, which I ordered regularly between 2018 and 2019. Accordingly, I had always wanted to try out the book box, and I was waiting patiently yet anxiously for an opportunity to order one, and maybe even review it on the show. As always for these episodes, this episode is not sponsored in any way, I paid for the book box myself, and I get nothing for giving you my honest opinion about the box and the books therein, except my own props to my own views, of course, <laughs> but I have linked all of my sources at relevanceofliterature.com slash notes under the show notes for this episode for your reference. Alright, a couple of specs about this box. It is run by a small Australian company called, of course, Boxwalla. This box is one of the more high-end boxes that we have tried, and it retails for $29.95 US for a box with two books and one gift in it. The box only runs every other month, so if you have a recurring subscription, that would deliver you six boxes or 12 books a year. They do have a film box, as I mentioned earlier, as well as a beauty box. And I will add that the box itself comes in a really beautiful packaging. It's a little paper box that's handmade. It's really high quality and it's reusable. I've reused many of those boxes myself over the years. The reason why I honed in on this book box so quickly, other than my obvious familiarity with the company, of course, is that it focuses on world literature, and the two books are always from two different countries on the months where the box comes out, so it does give people who even are familiar with literature the opportunity to jump into cold water, so to speak, and keep constantly discovering new pieces from around the world. I can speak from experience and say that it is so easy to get comfortable in the authors, genres, time periods, etc. that you enjoy reading, and never find yourself getting out of your own self-constructed cave ever again, but Faulkner said it best when he said, quote, when you strike a match in a dark wilderness, it is not in order to see anything better lighted, but just in order to see how much more darkness there is around. I think that literature does mainly that. It's not really supposed to answer things, not even to make them clearer, but rather to explore, often blindly, the huge areas of darkness and show them better. Page XI in the Jonathan Coe introduction of Javier Marias's A Heart So White, the Vintage International Edition. 
It will always serve you, in other words, to keep broadening your horizons in life and especially when it comes to literature. For my own personal reading, I want to discover more about Spanish and Catalan literature, and I happened to get a book in this box from a Catalan writer, Merce Rodoreda, so it was a win-win scenario all around. The two books that I received in this box were Garden by the Sea by Merce Rodoreda and Erasure by Percival Everett. I reviewed Garden by the Sea in March, it's episode 166 and linked in the show notes if you're interested in a more thorough review of that novel, and I will spend a bulk of the time in this episode discussing my thoughts about Erasure after running through the Sparknotes version of Garden by the Sea, of course. There was also a record in the book box, an LP, which was an enjoyable listen-through if I can say so myself. Garden by the Sea this book was incredible. It definitely stands as a testament to the broadening of my horizons as a reader over the years and being able to take a book of Catalan literature and get so much from it was a really humbling and incredible experience. I have been gushing about this book for months now on Patreon, on the main channel, everywhere. It is definitely one of my top 30 books that I've ever read, which is high praise, especially for a book that I've only read once. This is a very meditative book in the sense that the prose is very impressionistic. It really flows like water throughout. The setting is fairly limited in the book, kind of like Wuthering Heights or other such novels, and that really gives you a sense of how important character is, how important the setting as a character is, how important, important for example, different seasons are and different moods are, and that can be determined by seasons, by characters, by different points in the plot. And it's a really just amazing look into this very simple, straightforward life of a gardener who has a large estate to look after and the different complexities that fall into his lap. I also love the story behind the book of Merce Rodoreda, who was an author who was largely undiscovered. She worked in a bunch of different professions, including as a seamstress, and she was writing on the side. And I'll post an article in the description about her just because her story is amazing. I go into it with a bit more depth in the Garden by the Sea episode, but I find myself really inspired by her story as it shines itself onto this wonderful novel. Erasure by Percival Everett. So this book is about not being black enough, in quotes, of course. And it's a book that I wasn't ready to read at the time, which is probably the most pressing reason why this episode has not come out until now. And there were, of course, lots of protests, lots of big issues that are still ongoing as we see them in our current state of affairs about different minorities and rights and politics and the sometimes violent outcries that go along with protesting issues like that. And so I just was not in the right space to read this book and think and meditate on 
that kind of a topic when I got that in August 2020. It was super timely, of course, uh, especially considering Percival Everett, who is a Black author himself and a really amazing author, as I have come to find through this particular novel. And this theme is something that I've definitely come across in my lifetime as a mixed-race person, half-Asian, half-white, looking at not being quote-unquote Asian enough, not being quote-unquote white enough, and that really affects people. And I love how in this book Percival Everett decides to use satire and irony and just this amazing dry wit to underscore that huge issue. So the book is ostensibly about a writer, and it's about a writer named Thelonious, or you can call him Monk, as he calls himself throughout most of the book, and he is dealing with the downfall of his mother's health, so she gets a dementia-like illness early on in the book, and his sister's death, and his writing career is at a standstill when all of a sudden a book about the ghetto, ostensibly, comes out, and it's a book written by an educated person who essentially writes in what Monk takes to be a very offensive vernacular, essentially A-A-V-E, but not A-A-V-E. It's sort of a made-up kind of speech that is supposed to represent the ghetto and African-American life. And this book keeps making it to the top charts. This author is being interviewed everywhere, X, Y, and Z. It just blows up. It essentially makes the equivalent of Oprah's book club, all of those things. And this writer is struggling with his own writing, which is a very academic, literary kind of style. He's a professor and he is working his way through academia and the kinds of problems that he approaches in writing are problems that are stratospheric to most readers and most people in the public. And the problems that he's fascinated and consumed by are not approachable for most readers. So he's stuck between a rock and, the, and a hard place in the sense that he is a writer that's a creative pursuit and yet he is not able to share that creative creativity, that artistry with the world in the way that he might want because it's so unapproachable, because it's so dense to these normal public audience members. So in his grief and frustration and what I can imagine this pent-up range of feelings, he writes a novel called My Pathology, which is essentially the same thing. It's a very grotesque <laughs> book and, and purposely so, might I add, a very grotesque book about African-American life supposedly in the ghetto and it's very raw and it has a lot of profanities in it and it's the kind of writing style that Monk so detests himself that he's writing this as a parody and he eventually changes the name to a certain four-letter word to make it even more dramatic but essentially what 
ha what happens is that he in a bind sends this book to his publisher the publisher sends it out and he gets a massive book deal on it enough to cover his mother's expenses enough to deal with a lot of his financial worries to not have to teach for example on the side and he becomes a celebrity essentially through this book before this book is even published he even gets invited to a literary review committee at near the end of the novel and the committee chooses that book as the top prize winner of course he writes the book under a pseudonym not his real name so no one knows that it's him writing it which provides further complications of course there are so many other themes in this novel throughout it aside from of course the big ones race and identity and grief as well. Uh, he also has a brother who is struggling with coming out to his family as gay and a divorce with his wife, etc. Um, the death of his father resurfaces. There are lots of affairs going on throughout the novel, really just an affair between Monk and this one writer who he doesn't really respect and that creates problems. So there's a multitude of issues that Everett grapples with in this novel and I think he does it so expertly in the sense that this novel isn't just one continuous storyline. It's really a tapestryagorg of a bunch of narrative threads piled and stitched together and he's able to deal with all these themes not only independently but together. When you look at the whole of the novel, it is impressive the way that you can understand the interlocution of all of the themes. So there's not only the narrative thread in which Monk is relaying his thoughts, and that's fascinating in itself, isn't it? A book about a writer, a book about ostensibly writing and one's relationship and identity within this job description, so to speak, as a writer not only Monk's thoughts about himself, but different scraps of story ideas that Monk comes up with, different thoughts and reflections. He has flashbacks, he has um, an excerpt of my, patho my pathology in the book. So a bit through the book, literally, you, you read my pathology. You read the book that becomes such an issue in the later parts of the novel. Um, there's title pages and different excerpts and just it's really a cacophony of a work but also it has this oneness that I find to be very impressive considering the stylistic variation that Percival Everett includes. And in summary, I am so grateful to have read Erasure. It's given me a really good perspective and a lot to think about with regard to these big themes like, for example, not being X enough. I also tip my hat to all that is going on in this novel with satire and I think it's so brilliant the premise of having this character create a work of satire and then in our modern space, in our modern media-driven world, having that work be construed as something serious and something quote-unquote authentic. And it really does deal with 
themes that I think in literature should be discussed more, especially in modern literature like this, so it was an enjoyable read in that respect as well. I also want to take a moment to consider why these books were placed together in the book box. That's something that we haven't really been able to look at so far with these book boxes. There have been a few with multiple books in them, but oftentimes they've been clearly delineated or based around a specific theme. The theme card that I got for these books had, of course, the two different descriptions, but along further analysis and thought, I've really come to discover a lot between these two books that I want to mention. So Erasure is the more serious, in my opinion, book of the two. It definitely was dealing with very timely themes, but I also think that Garden by the Sea dealt with timely themes in the sense that it was highlighting a particular author who we might not have got access to or had access to in the past. So I really liked how these two books highlighted minority aspects of the writers in question. Erasure was the, again, more heavy-hitting read, while Garden by the Sea was just this lovely, light, floating thing. And I liked the contrast there, and I think especially if I had read these books right in a row, it would have been a good experience because of that contrast, because I would have the breath of fresh air with Garden by the Sea, and then the heavy rock that is Erasure, but also a good rock. <laughs> That's not a, an indictment at all. So, or vice versa, if I had read Erasure first. I also think the main characters of the books are quite similar. For example, the gardener and Monk, so the gardener from The Garden by the Sea and Monk from Erasure, they both have this thoughtfulness and go with the flowness to them, and that really allows both plots to develop sort of at will. Uh, and I really appreciated that in both books because it wasn't like, for example, Emma by Jane Austen where Emma's really catalyzing, it's very socially motivated. These authors allow things to happen to them and then deal with those things as they happen rather than trying to catalyze and manipulate things all the time. And that gave me a new perspective on how to deal with situations for myself and it gave me a profound sense of empathy for the kind of person who is able to have those moments of just letting things in and processing them before acting. Summary. Alright, it's time to talk about who this book box would be for, my general thoughts about it, who this would not be for. I'm gonna start as I have typically started in these episodes with who this book box would not be for. And it would be not great, I'm not going to blanket statement, but I'm just going to give you my thoughts on who this book box would suit and who it wouldn't. So I don't think this book box would suit people who read for escape, who want just a fun read, a read that is maybe about traveling, a read that is more scenic. These are contemporary slash classic literature pieces. These are very serious works and they're often a bit dense and not as scenic as you might want in like a travel book or a book you might get at the airport, for instance, those classic airport reads. 
Uh, Garden by the Sea, of course, was very scenic and very laden with imagery, but I would say that in general, from what I've seen from the other books that I have seen on Boxwalla and read myself, these books are books that are more complex and they're not for people who are trying to read on a vacation or for escape. Also, if you are the type of person who wants that excitement and wants something in the mail every single month, this is not the book club for you. This is a more slow-going, thoughtful kind of book box in that it, you have one month in between getting each box to really dive into and really become deep and thoughtful about these books and that's something that I personally really appreciate within a book box system. I think I would just go on overload if I had so many books. I love the contrast of the books in, as well and that's something that I particularly have really thought about with regards to these two books that we just reviewed. So if you want to read for escape in short, I would recommend another book box. The Book Drop was a really great book box for that. It's probably my second favorite box of this whole endeavor. Also, if you want something in the mail every month, as I said, this is not a quick-paced, one-and-done type of book box. Again, it's one that you want to roommate over. And finally, it's on the precipice of being budgetable. For me as a student, it's definitely something that I would splurge on personally, maybe not every other month, but a couple times a year, for example. So if you are on a strict budget, trying to pay off debt, whatever, this might not be in your price range. It's up to you. On the other hand, this book box would be great for people who want to, of course, vary their reading. I've said this for all of the book boxes, that's no surprise. Also, enjoy a treat with this kind of high-end book box. Like I said, there's a lot more to this book box that comes with the package, so it's a lot of thought that goes into reading the books and understanding them and how they work together. The prizes are often high-ends or the little bonus gifts are often very high-end. They are time-consuming sometimes as well. I really enjoyed that aspect of this box. It was a big treat for me, but I think that it would be great for people who just like to splurge on something bookish. Also, people who want works of literature or classic literature to read and they want more exposure to that or just want more variance with that. These books are not very similar to the other book box books that we've read in the series. The other books have been for the most part, you know, young adult fiction type books where they're, they, you know, they could be contemporary fiction for example, but they're easier to read certainly than these kinds of books. And I would say even with the Garden by the Sea book, it was a bit harder to get into at first than I thought. And it was a lot like Hemingway, which of course is kind of hard to digest sometimes as well. So this was definitely a book box for people who are familiar with literature or they know what they're going getting into with the literature, or if you want to learn more about literature and the kinds of styles, for example, that literature can offer, this would be a great book box for you. 
Also people who of course want to discover more about world literature, especially certain aspects of the world. For me, understanding and getting into Spanish and Catalan writers has been definitely precipitated by this book box. I read, I quoted it earlier, a book by Javier Marias, A Heart So White, and of course the English translation with all of these, <laughs> but that was a book that I didn't get from Boxwalla, but I saw that they had given it to readers in one of their book boxes, and I thought that would be such a cool addition to my reading at this point, so I bought it and I absolutely loved it. It's a book about a translator similar to A Bad Girl, The Bad Girl, which I reviewed a couple months ago. Also, people who finally want to discover authors who think differently. And this really relates to the goal of building empathy. I think that's one of the biggest reasons to read is to understand how different people think and act and react. And you can't get more diverse than this book box. I really believe that. Uh, and so in summary, this book box was definitely my number one pick for the series. We reviewed a bunch of book boxes. I liked this one the best. I really liked the book drop, as I mentioned. I would order that again. I really liked Introvert's Retreat. Those were really my top three in that order. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate y'all's support along the way. I hope you enjoyed this little mini-series that we were able to put together. I had a blast reading all of these books for you. You can find all the episodes at relevanceofliterature.com slash book dash unboxings. And those are linked for you. Of course, you can go to our show notes as well. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for your time, your attention, and I will see you next week. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to hear more from us, we've done everything from Shakespeare to Dracula. There really is a show and a series for everyone, so I'd recommend checking out our website at relevanceofliterature.com under the ongoing series tab for links to our entire back catalog of episodes, as well as any current goings-on of our show. If you are looking for even more content, we also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash relevanceofliterature. Thank you so much for your support, and we'll see you next time.